Good morning. It's great as we gather today to bring our praise and our prayers to God, whether we meet here in Dervolgi or you join our service online, you're very welcome. As our psalmist says in Psalm 45, my heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for my king. It's as wonderful as we sing praises to God, as we bring his name before him and praise him for all that he has done. That ex- it excites us and it gives us uh, that great feeling to be here among God's people as we meet together this morning. Romans chapter 7, verses 14 to 25. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. For what I hate to do, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, Evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Uh, As we travel through this summer season, we use the the lectionary as a portion, if you like, um, for it. And the following through the Gospel of Matthew and um, the Epistle uh, to the Romans, um, Paul's letter um, to the Romans. Um, It's a... Romans is one of my favorite books, actually. It's a, it's a strange book. It's a hard book to wrestle with, uh, but there's so much contained within it. Um, and um, thank you to Ruth for reading that today, because if there was ever a confusing passage, um, that's probably one of them, because um, he says he does what he shouldn't do, but he doesn't do what he should do, and he doesn't do what he should do, but he knows what he should do. And because he doesn't do what he should do, then he knows that he shouldn't do what he should do. And it kind of goes round and round in circles. So to actually pause and take the patience to read it in a way that it was read. Thank you uh, for that. Um, but as Frank's already reminded us uh, in our intercessions and our prayers today, we come uh, before a God who is alive and who is real and who is well. Um, we come and set this time aside to be with him and to glean from each other and from his word. And so let's pray uh, as we begin today. Father God, we thank you that your word is living and active sharper than a double-edged sword, will penetrate to the very heart and soul of our beings this morning. We pray that by your Holy Spirit, your word would speak afresh and anew, not my words, but your word, bringing truth and light and life into our daily lives. In your precious name we pray. 
Amen. I don't know about you, but have you ever been confused by something? Mm -hmm. Lots of people going, yeah. Uh, well, there's a website called confused.com. It means you don't get confused, so you can go to that. Because um, uh, insurance is one of those really confusing things, isn't it? Um, you can get your, if you're like me and your insurance premium was up recently um, and you got your renewal um, in, um, it was nearly two and a half times what it was last year. Um, whenever I rang to ask about it, it was definitely the best price that they could do. So I rang a few other places. Um, and they always are very careful that the online things don't credit against the telephone conversation. So I phoned a number of other places, and I was able to get it for a couple of pounds dearer than what I did last year. I thought, if out of interest, I'll phone my insurance company back. And lo and behold, the manager had a special deal for me. <laughs> now, he wasn't that lucky, fortunate, that just at that moment, the manager had a new special deal for me that meant that my insurance didn't go up this year. Wonderful. But sometimes it's in those moments that we get confused. And in the world that we live in at the moment, um, our society, our culture, we're bombarded by information constantly and consistently. We consider what it was like whenever maybe we were um, tiny nippers. Um, well, I consider what it was like whenever I was a tiny nipper predating Google. Um, Google didn't exist. If you wanted to find something out, you went to a library to find it out. Or you asked uh, a responsible adult if they knew the answer to it. Um, time was a little bit longer, or so it seems in my hazy rose-tinted glasses looking back. Uh, summers seemed to be longer as a child. And there was less information being bombarded at me. And if things were happening to me whenever I was in school, by the time I got onto the bus and came home, the bully stayed in school, but now that's all changed. We're bombarded 24-7 with our news feeds and our social media feeds. Uh, we can watch news around the clock on our TV screens. We don't even have to walk to the shop to buy a printed newspaper anymore. We can download it every day into our iPads and into our phones. Those bullies find their way home digitally um, into our teenagers' lives and into our, our, our children's lives. And so we become increasingly saturated with information. And because we're increasingly saturated with information, sometimes confusion begins to set in. But confusion is not new. It's always been there. We can see that from what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying in this particular letter to the Romans that at some point in his life, he feels he knows what he should do, but he doesn't do it. He does what he knows he shouldn't do. I've been there. I've been in situations where I know what I should do, but I've done what I know I shouldn't do. And probably if we're honest with ourselves, we find ourselves in those situations. We find that actually this rolling circular confusion that Paul's speaking about here, that we could find ourselves stepping into it. But the difficulty with this rolling circular confusion of trying to do the right thing, but knowing that we should do the right thing, but end up doing the other thing that isn't always the right thing, and knowing we shouldn't do it, but doing it, it feels as if we're in a hamster wheel. It feels as if we're sitting in a cage, uh, and we're a little hamster in a wheel, and the wee wheel's going, and sometimes we find it really hard to step off that wheel. 
find it really hard to get to that point where discernment rules in our lives, where we know what is right and what is wrong, and we make decisions in those places. And actually, we talked a little bit about that last week, didn't we? About um, we often are forced with decisions, um, quick thinking decisions, but how we make those decisions, those decisions that we make are made long before we're faced with that issue. We make the decisions in the here and the now. We build integrity and foundations now. So whenever we make decisions, snap decisions, we know what it is that we should do. We don't have to think about it. And so this hamster wheel and stepping off this circular confusion is difficult but necessary. And discernment is key to it. Um, and discernment is more than just, well, I think, discernment is more than just knowing the difference between right and wrong. Discernment is knowing the difference between right and almost right. Sometimes we see discernment in that black and white of right and wrong. But often in the haziness and the grayness of everyday life, the moments of discernment that we need are the moments where we know what is right and what is almost right. Because we are presented with so much information. We are presented with so many decisions. And as we'll hear a little bit later, the devil will tempt us and draw us away in so many different ways that have elements of truth in them that we need discernment to work out what is right and what is almost right. I once heard it said that a really good lie is 90% truth. Because if it's 90% truth, you're already thinking, it must be all right then, isn't it? Like, I know that bit's right, and I know that bit's right, and I know that bit's right. So that bit must be right. The bit I'm not quite sure about, well, based on a calculation, it must be right, because I'm definite about the 90. But actually, that's how we're led down that space, and I want it for a different phrase, a garden path that takes us away from the place that we know that we should be, doing the things that we know we should do, to do the things that we know we shouldn't do. And this cycle, this hamster wheel, uh, this confusion, verse 15 says, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I, but I do do, what I hate I do. And if I do what, I'm not getting confused in reading this, Ruth, well done. Um, <laughs> I'll start slower, slow down, James. Billy's going, yeah. Uh, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate I do. And if I do not if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin living in me. And whenever we do the things that we know we shouldn't do, the secular hamster wheel not only brings confusion, but it brings guilt with it as well. And that guilt wells up in us. And then we start beating ourselves up and we say, I know I shouldn't have done that. I really know I shouldn't have done that. How can I do such a stupid thing? And then that leads 
that feeling of guilt leads to that feeling of, how can God forgive that? What's other people going to think about that? Maybe I shouldn't talk about that. Maybe I should keep that to myself so that other people don't find out that I did the thing that I know I shouldn't do, but I end up doing. And so now I hate it that I have done that. And so this confusion leads to guilt, which leads to excuses. Verse 20 says, Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. And so sometimes whenever we know what it is that we should do and we don't do it, whenever the guilt appears, we go, ah, but that's just my sinful nature. I can't help it. And we try to excuse it in some way, to wash it away in some way. And that's the great battle that we talked about from last week. A battle between good and evil, that battle between God and the devil, that battle between our, our humanity and our spiritual nature, the flesh and the God within us. That battle that exists every single day for each one of us as believers of Jesus who live in a battle that is trying to draw us away from our closeness to God. Draw me near, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious, pierced side. And we know that's what we should do, don't we? We, we know that's where we should be. And so this isn't me trying to pile that load of guilt on because actually as the preacher preaches, he's feeling that guilt pile up on him at the same time. This confusion this guilt, this rack of excuses leads to Paul crying out in verse 24, what a wretched man I am. And so this confusion, these feelings of guilt, this excuse that it wasn't really me can lead us to that point of thinking that we're worthless that we don't have a purpose, that we don't have a place, that actually what it is that we do makes us dirty and unclean and no longer worthy to be in God's presence. But he knows even the very hairs on your head. And he loves you overwhelmingly. That's me trying to give you a brief snapshot of all of that confusion verses between 14 and 24a. Because in the midst of all of that, I think we can identify in some shape or form with Paul in that moment. And here is Paul's answer. Here is Paul's suggestion and encouragement to us to enable us to discern how to move forward with God. He says in verse 24, What a wretched man I am. So who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Because it's not up to you to rescue yourself. It's not up to me to rescue myself. Draw me nearer and nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious, pierced side. Jesus has already given us the plan and the purpose to release us into a place of freedom. Recognizing the battle that is going on around us, we deliver the blow to Satan that says, you can pile all the guilt on you want, (laughs) but I worship a God who gives me freedom and forgiveness and love and mercy. You can confuse me all you want, but the Lord gives me enough discernment to see what it is that I need to do and to know how to draw closer to him. You can enable my brain to come up with as many excuses as you want. But I know. I know that because I stand broken and unworthy before a God who knows me and loves me, that he accepts me and calls me to be his child. That I am no longer a slave to fear. But I am a child of God. And it's in that moment that Paul says we find freedom. It's in that moment that the scriptures teach us that we find freedom. It's in that moment that we step out of the hamster wheel. And it doesn't matter what speed you run that in this hamster wheel, by the way. <laughs> we, had, we had several hamsters growing up um, and there was one lived in, in the wheel constant, like the only time it came out was to eat um, and to do its business. And the rest of the time it was in the wheel. The wheel had a squeak in it. The squeak was never oil, so this thing would be sitting in the corner of the river and go <coughs> And at certain times he would go so fast that he would fly out of it and hit the side of the cage. He had no intention of stepping out of it but he would fly out of it. And maybe today you have no intention of stepping out of that place that you find yourself in. But because of what God's word is saying to you and his Holy Spirit present in this place today, he's throwing you out of that hamster wheel and he's saying, it's your time to come close to me. Maybe the hamster wheel is going slower for you and we have a wee hamster called Gizmo who's Hamster wheel, oh, he ever, kind of as if he knew he should be exercising, but he didn't really want to do it. You know, and we've all been there as well, haven't we? We go for a walk, but it's not really a walk, it's a packle down the road. There's a good Ulster Scots word, a packle. There you are, hands up if you know what a packle is. Oh, three or four billion, five or six, this is great. A wee language lesson in the midst of this today too. Uh, a packle's never your kind of just, no. you're just packling about, you're not really doing it. It's kind of half-hearted. We know we should go for a walk, but we kind of go out for a walk and the hands are in the pocket and we're kind of, you know, take six hours to do a mile or whatever. And that's how his wheel kept going round. And maybe that's how you feel your wheel is going round this morning. And you know you should step off it. But either way, from the truth of God's word and from the comfort of the scriptures today, we know that God is waiting for us if we step out of it. 
with the pure delight of a single hour, that before thy throne I spend, when I kneel in prayer with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. So would you draw me nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious, pierced side. It's not too late. And God isn't done with you yet. There's so much more. If only we would step into his presence today. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us. That your presence brings rest to the weary. That you have promised that all who are weary and burdened, you will give us rest. That we're to take your yoke upon us because it's gentle and humble of heart. So Lord, as we consider what it is and what it means to follow you, what it means not to allow the confusion to reign or the guilt to pile up or the excuses to dominate our lives. We consider what it means to walk closer with you and to you. We pray that by the power of your spirit, the presence of the Almighty, that we will conquer everything that is needed. In your name we pray. So we turn to the book of Numbers um, as we hear our blessing today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen.